Next on BYU Sports Nation, your current leader in the football clubhouse. Who is the fall camp MVP thus far, and who isn't making the cut? Tight end Matt Bushman knows Utah's good, but are the Cougars ready for August 29th? Answers forthcoming in my one-on-one with the junior tight end. Plus, senior tight end Moroni Laulupututau hasn't practiced yet, but sends a message that change may happen soon. What does it mean? Let's go! This is BYU Sports Nation, brought to you by the BYU Store, simulcast on BYU-TV and BYU-Radio. Now, from Studio B, here's Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan. Hello, everyone. BYU Sports Nation is live. Your day-to-day play-by-play in Studio B, presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Tuesday, August 13th, wherever and however you're connected, great to have you with us. I am Spencer Linton, teamed up with BYUSN quarterback challenge runner-up, Jerem Jordan. Are you referencing the Taysom Hill videos? That I am. He won again. Nice. He won again. If only they'd make him the backup quarterback. I love product placement so much in these things where it's this uh, window provider has brought us these frames for us to throw a football through. So go buy your windows from this company. People will try and act like it's not about the money. Uh, It is. (laughs) Even in the side games outside of the actual game, right? Sure. If you can make a profit on something, then that's what America is, right? It's the American dream. All about profits here. We're trying to make a profit on today's show lineup, or are we? Matt Bushman, one-on-one with Jerem Jordan. What does the junior tight end expect to do as he approaches game number one against Utah? And what's the current status of the tight end group? We play more or less, plus Jerem's top 10 defensive players BYU will face in the 2019 season. I just hope that Utah isn't atop the list again, Jerem. Well, if they're good, they're good. Let's not going to ignore it. <sighs> Here are today's BYU Sports Nation headlines. BYU football fall camp continues with practice number 12. Today, head coach Kalani Satake still talking about his offense and that camp buzzword, progress. I just, I'm encouraged with the decision-making that our quarterbacks are, make, are doing right now. And, and I, I like the way our offense is starting to gel. And the way the play calls are coming from, from Grimes and also from Tuyaki on the defensive side. You want more football? We've got your football fix. Watch post-practice availability today around 8.15 p.m. Eastern, 5.15 p.m. Pacific. BYU women's volleyball is the preseason coach's pick to win the West Coast Conference. Four Cougars made the preseason all-WCC team in McKenna Asu, formerly McKenna Miller, Kennedy Eschenberg, Mary Lake, and Heather Knighting. The ABCA preseason top 25 poll comes out this afternoon. There you go. We will have our eyes peeled on that. BYU women's soccer hold an open practice scrimmage today at 7 p.m. Mountain on Southfield. They kick off the regular season August 22nd against Alabama in T-Town, Tuscaloosa at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 Pacific. And in single A, Daniel Schneeman went 3-for-4 with the double, set a new high in RBI with uh, 4 in the Lake County Captain's 13-8 win over the West Michigan Whitecaps. And right before the show started, uh, Pro Football Focus uh, produced a list of all 130 college quarterbacks ranked. Zach Wilson coming in at number 30. Okay. So that's pretty good. Okay. All rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending. You're talking about it, and so are we. It's What's Trending on BYU Sports Nation. Nick Saban, speaking of Tuscaloosa and T-Town and titles, is in the news once again talking about scheduling and college football right down your alley, Jerem. I love it. He said, and I quote, I can promise you that we want to play more games against Power 5 teams and should play more games against Power 5 teams, all of us. He continues, if we don't, 
fans are going to quit coming. And I can't say I blame them. End quote. This all part of SEC media days. And this was rhetoric continued from last year when Nick Saban took the podium to address the media. That got us thinking, Jerem, does BYU need to continue the aggressive scheduling to have fans come to games like these SEC teams a la Alabama? It depends. If you're trying to put butts in seats, then yes. What what are your what are your main goals with the program, right? If it's not to win, number one, then you have your goals messed up, in my opinion. There's a lot to balance though. Because if BYU doesn't put together a competitive good schedule, perhaps they're not getting the same recruits they would. So I understand that end mm-hmm. of it. But at the end of the day, do you know everyone that played on UCF schedule the last two years? No, you just know they won a bunch, right? I'm not saying go that direction. But I understand that there's some need to appease ESPN from a programming standpoint in terms of what games you have, to say yes to them often, if not always, right? Does BYU ever say no? I wonder. And then to obviously get people in the stands because you make money on tickets and concessions and whatnot. So it's hard to balance all of these things. But I would hope that number one would be winning. Number two would be winning versus good teams. And then three would be an entertaining product. Uh, That would be my priority list in this. I don't think the BYU should load up on power fives every year at home because BYU is going to win less than half of those over time, right? Perhaps there's a given year where they don't and it's a special team or something. But uh, BYU does have several power fives on the schedule, which brings us to our stat of the day. It's the BYU Sports Nation stat of the day. In the next four seasons, BYU has 10 Power 5 home games. Three this season, two next season with Michigan State and Missouri. Three the next year, Utah, Arizona State, Virginia. Hey, Bronco! And 2022, Baylor and Arkansas, which are more in line with the kind of Power 5s that would be fine scheduling, right? Arkansas and Baylor are winnable games as opposed to when you stack it with uh, you know, Washington, USC, Utah. That If BYU wins two of those three, that's going to be awesome. So here's the thing. I hate the cliche, have your cake and eat it too. Doesn't everybody eat a piece of their own birthday cake? Like, what, where does that originate from? I don't know. Why? Well, BYU wants to have their cake and eat it too. Yeah, they want to schedule tough. Well, they want doesn't. big name opponents to come to Pro Bowl, and they want to win. That's the best case scenario, is it not? I like the summer. I like golf comparisons as well. The best case scenario is to play the hardest courses and play those courses well so that you're on the PGA Tour and you make a lot of money and everyone's happy. Most people aren't good enough to be on the PGA Tour. That's the truth. Right? BYU's Most not good people enough to are be not. Power 5 at the but moment. But how yeah. do they get to be good enough to be in that level? Like, they, is you there only one route? On a lesser is there level. only is that the only route? Yeah. Is there only one route to no, have your cake and eat it too? There's never only one route to something, right? There's always multiple routes. Okay, so is there another road that has BYU scheduling tougher so they can get better recruits and keep fans engaged and just maybe they play one of these tough courses and they have their cake and they eat it too and it turns out well? Yes, that possibility does exist. So we cannot write off the possibility of, yeah, schedule tougher and hope that you play well enough that you can get noticed and have attention. And what, I mean, the road might be tougher, but it's still a road nonetheless. The possibility exists, does the reality. Because Ty Detmer and BYU in 1990 were awesome, right? Like, they they were in the top five for like seven weeks. They beat Miami. It was amazing. What happened in 91 
uh, the next the next year to start the season with the Heisman Trophy winner. And well, they, gra- they graduated Florida a ton State, of senior UCLA, talent. Penn State, they played a too tough of a schedule, and so it was hard. There's, I, I don't believe that you can have both. You just have to have a nice balance. You can have a tough schedule, but not have it too tough. You can have really good recruits that come and play this schedule. That's fine. You, just If you play four Power Fives to start, granted three are at home, you're asking for a 500 record. It's just hard. It's just hard. And if you have the right players and the right team and the right schedule, it's going to take a perfect storm of then it ain't goodness. Then it ain't happening. Okay, well, in 1990, yeah. it did happen, right? Because yeah. BYU had a ton of senior talent and the Heisman Trophy winner. Right, but that in schedule wasn't crazy. In 91 they graduated crazy. Chris Smith, and they yeah. graduated a ton of their defensive line. They had a lot of young guys on offense. No Bellini, no Tui Pelotu, like a bunch of talent left after 1990, and they ran into a bus off a right. schedule. And 90 wasn't as hard as 91. Like, you, they had the right schedule. They had Miami and Washington State at home, a couple yeah. of power fives. Yeah, and they Washington took care State of wasn't that good. Yeah, it's all good. All right. Topic two, senior tight end MLP, Moroni Laulupututau, posted the following on his social media yesterday. Few more days with a picture of he and Squally Canada. At this point, it appears MLP hasn't practiced yet. So it's to finish some summer classes. Spencer, are you concerned he hasn't practiced yet? Sure. We talked about this a few days ago. Yeah, it's a concern that your senior tight end that you expected to be a contributor in this season has not practiced yet. But I am encouraged by that post. One can draw the conclusion that he is close to practicing if he says only a few more days, whether that means... Does he know the games in two weeks and two days? Hey, I'm, I'm going <laughs> to practice, or does that mean like I'm going to practice and that means I'm going to be good enough to play in the first game? I just hope that Moroni gets on the field and is able to contribute the way that we know he is capable of. We've seen what he can do when he has a measure of health. Like, I don't know that we've seen him play fully healthy at BYU other than his freshman season as a wide receiver, but we know what he is capable of when he has enough health. So I'm encouraged, but yeah, I'm concerned he hasn't practiced yet. Because BYU needs help at the tight end position. Hank Tui Pelotu was the number two. He's gone for the season with a torn ACL. Unfortunate situation. Who's next? Who's next behind Matt Bushman? BYU needs some depth. So I'm encouraged, but yeah, I'm concerned he hasn't practiced yet. This means nothing until he's actually on the field. It's just a social media post. It literally means nothing. I hope that he's able to quickly get to practice and then be physically, mentally, emotionally ready to play. Um, unfortunately, he hasn't been in a position to help himself or the team up to this point because he's still needing to finish some classes to be able to practice, right? Um, I thought also, is the summer semester still going? What? What? I don't know how that works. I thought the classes had ended. No, summer, Did he not take summer the summer term already? ends, uh, yeah, in mid-August. And then they still have, going? And then students have like a two-and-a-half-week break before uh, winter semester classes. Okay. No, no, sorry. Fall ML- semester MLP, classes. MLP, hurry up. The season's in two weeks and two days, sure bro. Let's summer, go. Summer finals are really soon. Let's go. Yeah. Um, he's, this week, I think, in fact. He's definitely needed. I never took a single spring or summer class. I wanted to, like, hang out and enjoy my life. So I always feel uh, a certain level of respect and pity for those who take spring, summer. I'm like, oh, you have classes? No, get out and hang out. Go have fun. There are enticements for kids to have half scholarships in spring and summer because they want to fill those classes. Yeah, sure. Yeah, well, that's great for them. I never uh, had one. I felt great about it. MLP needs to get back. This is a huge deal. Um, I thought he was going to be a main major contributor for BYU football 
Now I'm hoping he just gets into practice. Like this is, if this was uh, Tyson Williams or Lopini Cattell or Gunnar Romney or Zach Wilson, Jaron Hall, we'd make a huge deal about this. But because MLP got hurt, we've sort of forgotten about him a little bit and kind of pushed it to, well, and, and how's his knee? Is he going to be okay? Is he going to be uh, physically ready? I, this, is a, this is a major issue. You know who is concerned? The head ball coach, Kalani Satake. And there's a reason that Matt Bushman is uh, being bubble-wrapped a little bit in practice because there's not a ton of depth there. Here's Kalani Satake on Matt Bushman. On offense, the only guy that I can think that we held out um, was Matt Bushman, just uh, just precautionary. And uh, other than that, I think because we need and we need to see some of these uh, young tight ends play. Yeah, you need to see the young tight ends play, but more importantly, you need to keep your all-American tight end healthy. So I agree. Don't scrimmage him if you don't have to. We know what Matt Bushman's capable of, what he can do. Marone Laulaputitao needs to get healthy. Just add some depth to the tight end group. The one position group we thought BYU was fine with in the spring is where we may have the most concern. If he was in practice, we'd be concerned about how that knee is. He's not even in practice. Yeah. yeah. Let's go. On to topic three. We are 11 practices into BYU football training camp. Practice number 12 today. Reminder tonight, 815 Eastern, 515 Pacific. You can get the latest details with Jerem Jordan and Jason Shepard. So those 11 practices officially in the books, Jerem, who is your leader as the fall camp MVP? Now, there's one guy who I think is going to be the guy unless someone supplants him. It's always QB1. Ding, ding, ding. I don't think anyone has supplanted Zach Wilson as the fall camp MVP. No one has emerged. I, I think Zach has been so good that there's been little to no discussion about Jaron Hall, who was my pick. I thought, you know what? QB2 is going to show out. It's going to be good. Zach Wilson is going to be on a, a throw count. No, it's been, it's been Zach. Tyson Williams kind of, his stock is up right after the scrimmage. Keanu Hill, not going to be the MVP, but his stock is up. We haven't heard like hardly anything about defensive players, right, um, to merit anything in this conversation. Granted, this conversation is one we made up a few years ago. No one really cares about a fall camp MVP except for us. <laughs> right now, it's... Uh, Zach Wilson. Yes, 100%. My pick for fall camp MVP is the guy who's the leader in the clubhouse right now. And it doesn't hurt when you open up practice with a 70-yard touchdown pass oh! to Olave Heath on day one. No pass. <laughs> He's been solid. He's been yeah. everything that we thought sure. he would be. Yeah. In fact, he has exceeded expectations, according to the coaches, in terms of his arm strength. I, I want to know who hasn't. I wish they'd pred- they're like, here's a list of 10 people who haven't. Like, Zach is ahead of schedule, both in his (laughs) health of his shoulder and in his understanding of the offense. And he had the benefit of coming off of shoulder surgery. So it's like, hey, whatever we get out of Zach, then that's a bonus. He's been really good. He's been really good despite the shoulder surgery. So you had Zach Wilson, and it's probably not close. I mean, who, who's second? Tyson Williams? But I think there's a huge gap yeah. between Zach Wilson and anybody else in fall camp. Yeah. Well, it's hard to assess given the... 15 minutes every other day, <laughs> right? We've we got to um, base it off what we well, hear from coaches, too. Well, it's, yeah, and so it's what they want to tell you, right? The what, rhetoric what, is Zach Wilson is the fall camp MVP. Lopini Cotilla is the best player, but they're just kind of keeping it low-key or something. And what if uh, Brady Christensen is just dominating on the, uh, like, yeah. This is, this is a fun 
Uh, BYU Sports Nation specific. <laughs> are you saying the coaches are wily and they might hold details out from the media, Jeremy? Uh, well, there's a school to the north uh-huh. who uh, produced a person in a cast mm-hmm. you know, and said, well, don't say he has a cast on, <laughs> but he has a cast on. It is what it is. We all oh. see it. Like, don't walk him out here. Back to our question of the day, still with BYU football. Does BYU need to be aggressive in its home schedule for fans to go to games? This based on the commentary of Alabama's Nick Saban. Let's go to Voice of the Nation. This is the Voice of the Nation on BYU Sports Nation. At Jaycar Camp in on Twitter, I think Jerem Jordan logic applies here. Winning at Lavelle Edwards Stadium has the largest effect on BYU fan attendance. It's great to schedule lots of high-profile games at home. But if BYU loses more than half of those games each year, fans won't show up and home field advantage will diminish. Trust me, I want a great home schedule as well. There's just, if you have too many back-to-back-to-back and there's a certain level of Power 5, right, versus others, I get the idea, all the nuance and ideas of all of this, right? But at the end of the day, you want to win. You want to you challenge yourself, but you want to win. You Would don't want to f- challenge yourself and fail. You want to get better but if BYU doesn't win 10 games anytime soon then this isn't working right you're not getting better you're not getting you're not winning you're not winning enough right the point is to win so BYU has to validate that at some point and if you don't win 10 games to me it's not validated let's take a look at some of the great teams in the recent past 2006 2007 2009 okay there was a four-year stretch where BYU won 43 games under Bronco Mendenhall being a group of five conference was the key to that but they beat some powerhouses along the way in those years. So would you feel differently if BYU had that level of talent? And we know they were talented because we've seen what they did in their post-BYU careers. A lot of these guys played in the NFL. A lot of the skill position players went to the NFL. Would you feel differently about this difficult of schedule against that type of talent? Would you feel differently? Would anyone feel differently about, oh, it's, yeah, it's I'm, hard. I'm cool. I'm cool taking on Utah and Tennessee and USC and Washington. we got Max Hall and Dennis Pitt and Austin Colley and Harvey Yuma. That team is still probably going 2-2, two and two. maybe 3-1, and one, right, like if they really do it. But then if you go 3-1 and one in those four, that's the payoff that BYU Athletics and Tom Homo are hoping for. Right, and you don't want it just to be one year. We're not looking for one year. We're looking for sustainability. We're looking for more and more often, right? You win, you beat good teams, you get fans and attendance, everybody wins, but it's harder to do that. It's hard because it's too hard. <laughs> That's why. <laughs> on deck, who's the top defensive player on the Cougar schedule? But first, Jerem Jordan goes one-on-one with junior tight end Matt Bushman. What's the tight end group like underneath the senior or the junior All-American leader? This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Tonight we'll be live after football fall camp practice on the BYU TV Sports Facebook page. Media availability scheduled for around 8.15 Eastern, 5.15 Pacific. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation live in Studio B, your day-to-day BYU Sports play-by-play. I am Spencer Linton alongside Jerem Jordan. Our question of the day, does BYU need to be aggressive in its home schedule for fans to go to games at Laser Sheep tweets, and unfortunately, I think they do. Every year, more and more fans seem to say, I'm not going to the Wagner, UNLV, Southern Utah game. I can understand, but it's still a football game. Years like 2019 bring more fans with high-profile games. You'll always have those games. It's just whether, like this year, BYU has four quality home opponents for you know the first time in a long time, where it's like, hey, this is a, a big game, one you want to be at, right? One where if BYU wins, you go, oh, I was at that game. 
If BYU were three and zero at home against high profile teams, then people probably would show up for Wagner, UNLV, and Southern Utah. If yeah. BYU is ranked, yeah. it doesn't matter who they're playing. BYU is one of like twenty two teams or something like that that has yet to be ranked in the college football playoff. Sorry, it's got to be more than that. But BYU is one of uh, you know they haven't been ranked yet when it matters, which is later in the season. I love being ranked. Don't get me wrong. I'll be, BYU is ranked. Oh, sweet, let's go. But I'd rather be like late than early. It's going to take a significant effort from the quarterback and probably the tight end, Matt Bushman, for BYU to even sniff the college football playoff rankings this year. Bushman comes in with All-American status. He's a guy on the Walter Camp preseason award watch list. He's on the John Mackey award watch list. And yet he just kind of goes about doing his thing. Not super outspoken, but man, he catches everything. Jerem Jordan one-on-one with arguably BYU's best playmaker, Matt Bushman. All right, Matt, uh, first scrimmage in the stadium in fall camp. How'd it go today? It went really well. I mean, it was just great to come out here and compete under the, in the stadium, not under the lights quite yet. But, uh, yeah, it was really awesome. We, I think as an offense, we were really, really impressed with some of the younger guys that stepped up. And I think our ones, we just did what we needed to do. Um, there's always things that we need to clean up, and we're going to clean that up before, before August 29th. And I think everyone's just super pumped for this year. There's certainly one team, but in fall camp, there's kind of two teams. It's offense versus defense, right? And, and so speak to, can you speak to that kind of competition between us versus you and later we'll come together? Yeah, it's always, there's always a competition. So there's always, uh, the defense is chirping at us. When they do well, they have a good day. When we have a good day, we're chirping right back at them. But it's just a friendly, I don't know, a friendly competition. It gets heated sometimes, but I think that competition is really important to have and um, it just shows the type of players that we have. If, uh, if it wasn't a competitive fight every day, I mean, that wouldn't be a good sign. So, so I'm really looking forward to this year. The defense is looking really stout. Um, they've got some great leaders over there, and our offense is stepping up to the challenge, and I think we, we've, we'll be good as ever. Who are the mouthpieces in those conversations with the defense the most? Who's chirping the most? Who represents the offense? The offense, I mean, the O-line stays pretty quiet. I, uh, I have my little quiet little jabs in there after I make a good catch or something like that. Like uh, Passive-aggressive-ish? Uh, it, it depends. It depends. Um, Give me an example. So you just made a play against me, which would happen. Uh, you saw me playing the flag football tournament a few weeks. You would definitely uh, make a play against me. So what's something you would say if you caught a pass for a first down or something? Um, I don't know. Sometimes people mess around and are like, come on, you got to you got to put in the ones. Like, are you your first string? Come on, buddy, let's go. We've got to, got to get, we got to fix this right now. It's like a two or three or something. Yeah. yeah, or like, if it's a one, you say like, are you sure you're a first stringer? Like, I don't know. There's things, small things like that. You're just messing around. But I mean, the defense has some guys that try to get in your head. It's always, it's always fun. Kyrus and Zoe on the defensive line, they're always, always chirping at you. I've heard that the Kyrus, Tyson said Kyrus will say, hey Tyson, run over here. Uh huh. Yeah. So he, he knows how to try to get into our heads, but. You just, just got to play it off. This offense has made strides and, and will attempt to be more explosive this season. Do you feel confident at this point in the offense's ability to do that more this year? Yeah, I feel way more confident than I have my, whole t- my two years here. Um, so I just, I just think we're, we're playing to our strengths a lot more, trying to fit guys into, into places where they're going to make the best plays and try to get us to score the most points on, in each game. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, I mean, there's there's ups and downs in practices, but we've still, like each practice, I think we've had more explosive plays than we had than in the past fall camps or in the like past practices or games. So, so I think 
everyone's super excited to see the plays that are going to be made this year. How much of uh, that ideology was influenced by the way the season ended where there were moments against Utah and obviously the second half against Western Michigan where it was like, okay, that's different. Yeah, I think that's what what brought this kind of this change or movement over. It's just those people that were able to make plays and be put in situations where they're able to make plays, that, that kind of just showed, I don't know if it showed the coaches, but it just kind of showed everyone that the offense that we have potential to be in, like, the, the strengths that each player has. So so I think with Zach as a quarterback, we really have a chance to air it out. When we're making plays out there, that's going to open up the run. I mean, some of our, our running backs are going to – they're huge playmakers. Uh, Tyson was running people over. Zach's good at – he's just been consistent making plays. And Emmanuel today, just goal line packages, he's just powering through and breaking tackles. So, so whether we're making plays in the run or in the pass, I think it's going to – each way it's just going to open up and just favor us in either way. What took so long to find you last year in the past game? It, feel, it felt like it took a little while. Yeah, I mean, I, I think chemistry took some time um, with quarterback changes, but kind of like I said, just once we, once we tried, to, tried to adapt our offense and kind of put each player in the, in the, situa- in the, in the position where they can play, like, make the most plays, um, like, for example... Utah I started to like flex out a little bit more. I was able to convert some hitch routes into fades, and and Zach would just be able to throw it up to me. So I think I think once I was able to do that, that's just kind of where it opened up, and we're hope, we're hoping just to keep that going as this season continues. That chemistry with Zach is that something um, I guess in season last year that you had to have a conversation about? Was it something that once you made some plays, he would try and give you a chance? How did that work? Yeah, it's not necessarily a conversation, but it's more just trust. Like okay. You see in practice, you throw it up. I, if, I, if I catch it and make some plays and I show that I'm consistent with that, a quarterback's going to say, okay, that's a guy that I can, I can rely on. I can throw it up, and he's either going to catch it or knock it down or get a flag, something. So that's going to that's gonna help us out. So I think, yeah, it wasn't really a conversation or anything like that. It was just trust being built as Zach got more reps and as I got more reps too. You sat out spring with an injury. Remind me, was it a shoulder? You had surgery or something? Yeah, so I had a, I had a labrum surgery. You and Zach matching labrum, right? Yeah, okay. right. Um, what, how have you developed this summer to make sure physically you're healthy? Do you, do you feel healthy? Uh, and now you're a junior. Yeah, I'm a junior. Uh, yeah, I feel a lot better than I have. I think even ever since high school, I kind of had like the – it just felt a little off. And then as the, as the season went on last year, like halfway through, it just popped out and tore. So – Halfway through the season? It was just NIU, just so, yeah, it was about halfway, the halfway mark. So you tore your labrum against NIU? Yeah, yeah. And you played on it. So you and Zach were playing with right torn labrums together. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Does everyone have a torn labrum? It feels like all of a sudden everyone's like, I tore my labrum. I think you'd be surprised. There's a lot of, there's just, your shoulders just get jacked up when you're blocking, falling on it a lot. It's a, it's a tough sport, but just the trainer said it wouldn't get much worse, so I just played with it and was able to get it fixed afterwards so honestly it feels better than it probably ever has I feel a lot stronger um and I don't yeah I don't have anything in the back of my mind saying like okay I can't I can't do this or that because it feels really good there's always a conversation about uh you know tight ends and you got to be able to block and you got to be able to pass catch pass catch for sure how do you feel as a blocker right now I feel good I feel a lot I feel really confident just the way the end of the season ended last year I felt like I was doing my job really well and I mean I need I had to do things to do better and I'm still working on that but but I feel 
confident. I'm not like I'm not worried about guys beating me or anything like that. It's just making sure I do my job. So I think as a tight end group, we're we're a really diverse group. We have like fullback type tight ends, and then we have pass catching tight ends. So um, you'll see a lot of differences. There'll be times when I'm flexed out, and you'll have that fullback type doing the blocking. Other times, I'll be in. Nine three-point stance doing the blocking too, so we're, it'll be a fun opportunity just to switch it up and like get, just get guys on the field. In under three weeks, we're going to be in this stadium for BYU and Utah to open the season on ESPN. Uh, what kind of emotions come to mind when you think about what that night's going to be like? I just get really excited. Um, as a player, you just try to, I don't know, you just start thinking and you try to visualize the good things that are going to happen and um, possibilities that can that can occur during that game and um i think there's not like necessarily a sense of worry or anything like i mean they utah they have a lot of press right now saying okay their defensive line is amazing their their offensive their weapons are coming back they're healthy but i don't know i think our matchup i'm really i'm really impressed with the guys that we have and we might not be getting similar press to them but deep down like no press is just press and it's just it, what matters are the plays that are made on the field so I'm really confident with with our players and our team and um, I think everyone's just super pumped and we're ready to get closer to that game. Are we standing in a spot where maybe you could be celebrating against Utah? You've, you've caught a touchdown pass and then you kind of wander over here? There's a chance there's a there's a possibility so <laughs> we'll see maybe I'll have to visualize that and maybe let's see if it happens. Okay, well, uh, let's give you the BYU Sports Nation karma. Good luck the rest of camp, and we'll see August 29th. Awesome. I really appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Matt Bushman, one-on-one with Jerem Jordan. I hope you marked that spot on the field. Oh, I know. Yeah. I want him to go there and celebrate so hard if he catches a touchdown in that end zone. There's a great story from McKay Jacobson where he's at Cowboys Stadium in 2009 before the season, and he calls Max Hall and he says, hey, I'm standing in the end zone. Later, McKay Jacobson caught a touchdown pass in roughly the same spot. That's incredible. Which is so cool. Against Oklahoma. In that stadium for the win. To win the game. Yeah. That's incredible. Pretty cool. Yeah. Okay, coming up, what players will Jeff Grimes and the offensive staff be keenly aware of this season on opposing defenses? 10 and 10 on the way, but first, will BYU have more or less than four offensive linemen in the NFL that play in the game against Utah at some point in the future? This is BYU Sports Nation. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation. On a Tuesday, BYU football approaching practice number 12 of their fall training camp. And we are pr- approaching our BYU Sports Nation headlines for the second time today. BYU football fall camp, as I mentioned, in practice number 12. Head coach Kalani Satake following the scrimmage. Still thinking about that BYU offense and that camp buzzword progress. I just, I'm encouraged with the decision making that our quarterbacks are, make, are doing right now and and I, I like the way our offense is starting to gel and the way the play calls are coming from, from Grimes and also from Tuyaki on the defensive side. Post-practice interviews and access, fan interaction at 8.15 p.m. Eastern, 5.15 p.m. Pacific Time, BYU TV Sports Facebook page. Pro Football Focus ranks BYU quarterback Zach Wilson as the 30th best quarterback in college football coming into a sophomore season saying, quote, he plays a solid brand of football as an incredibly accurate passer with quite a big arm. BYU women's volleyball is the preseason coach's pick to win the West Coast Conference. Not a shocker. Four Cougars make the preseason all-WCC team. McKenna Asu, Kennedy Eschenberg, Mary Lake, and Heather Knighting. 
The ABCA preseason top 25 poll comes out this afternoon. Both Jeremy and I think BYU should be in the top 10. And in single A, they're still doing minor league baseball, at least for the rest of this and some of the next month. Daniel Schneeman went three for four with the double and set a new high in RBI with four in a Lake County captain's 13-8 win over the Western or West Michigan Whitecaps. Schneeman now leads the team batting 304. Hey, it's another BYU win over West Michigan. Yes. Right? Time to play more or less. More or less on BYU Sports Nation. Presented by Delta Airlines. Keep climbing. Ben Bagley about to join the program and make his mark. Ben, what do you have for us at number one? Well, let's start here. More or less than 13 carries by Tyson Williams in game one versus Utah. Less. BYU passed the ball a lot. And Tyson Williams will have 10 to 12 carries, but he won't eclipse 13. He averaged 8.3 the last two years, by the way. Yeah, I don't see any way that Tyson Williams has more than 13 carries just because BYU is going to be trying to figure out some things with Lopini Katoa and Williams and Emmanuel Isupa. There are too many mouths to feed for Tyson Williams to have more than 13 carries. So I'm with you. Less than 13 carries against Utah. Perhaps if he has more, that's a good thing. The run game's then it's working. Effective. Then it's because, effective. Because... You can look at passing two ways. One, you want to be aggressive. Two, if you pass a lot you and you look back at that box score, that team was probably behind in the game. You know what? I don't care who carries the ball, who catches the ball, who throws the ball, as long as a certain team down south has more points on the scoreboard than a certain team up north. Hit it! Countdown to the Utes. 16 days. 16 days away, BYU and Utah. Two weeks from Thursday. It's getting real now. Mm-hmm. It's been real for a while. <laughs> I love it. Number two. By the way, I don't know if you've noticed, but the last two nights, that little tinge of fall is in the air. It's mm-hmm. a little cooler at night. Mm-hmm. So football yes. weather is here. Number two, more or less than, than four future NFL players to play on the BYU offensive line or the Utah defensive line in the opening game. I think it could be more. I, th- I think that uh, Utah's defensive line with Bradley and I and John Penicina and Lecky Fotu and BYU's O-line with perhaps Tristan Hodge and James Empey and Brady Christensen, we could see four of those guys make it into yes. the NFL. Yeah, I think all three of the Utah defensive linemen will play in the NFL. So there are three right there. And then two of the three BYU names you just mentioned, Brady Christensen, James Empey, Tristan Hodge. Yeah, sure. There's gonna, I think there will be more than four total NFL players on those combined lines. It's aggressive, but I think it could days. happen. Yeah, sure. Yeah. No, and, and, we're, and we're talking about in the future, not next year, right? Just at some point in the future. Yeah. At some point in the future. Number three. More or less than 4.5 wins for BYU hoops during the Yoli Childs nine-game <laughs> suspension. <sighs> I we thought, don't know the schedule yet. Well, eh, the public doesn't know. Um, with, with Yoli, I thought that BYU was going to be over 500. I thought they'd be at least... Six and three, or sorry, at least five and four. Six and three. Now with it, now it's that's the toss up for me because I want to see what this team is like with Gavin Baxter as your one main front court guy. We'll see what we get from Colby Lee. Hopefully, he takes a step forward. Right, Dalton Nixon there, but Dalton's more of a, a three to me than a four. Um, yeah, and uh, toss up. Uh, BYU is going to be over 500. They will be at least five and four in the first nine games, even without Yoli Childs. There's going to be a rallying cry. Some guys will step up. Jake Toulson's going to be a good player. TJ Haas is still a really good player. Gavin Baxter is going to take the next step. There's enough on the floor for BYU to win five of the first nine games. And, and in Maui, they could lose to UCLA, beat Chaminade, and then beat somebody else and technically come up with a winning record in Maui. Yeah. You don't know how that's going to play out. See, right? in the first nine, it's a little scary. <laughs> it's tough. Five schedule. and four. No way. Schedule. BYU's not going to have a losing record without Yoli Childs. It's not going to happen. 
If if they, if it is, then it's bad news. Bad. Yeah, news. I just, no, I don't want it. I want uh, nine and zero. Let's go. Number four, more or less than third. The ranking for BYU women's volleyball will find itself in the rankings released later from the AVCA. Oh, man. Le- less. Uh, I think BYU is going to be in the top ten. The top three ranking is uh, quite ambitious given that BYU is losing Ronnie Jones-Perry, its best hitter, and then you're starting setter. So, no. Yeah, I'm going to number eight. I think they'll be like less. eight, maybe nine. So, less than number three. I know that BYU three. was incredible last year. They were number one for the majority of the season. But, yeah, you lose two critical parts. They could become that again. Um, it just depends on the health of McKenna Asu and some of the other freshmen that are coming on campus. Obviously, BYU's got perhaps the best middle blocking duo in the country. We'll see, right? They what have, else is new? BYU's got the, good middle blockers. The best libero in the country. Yeah, it's, it's exciting. They're going to be awesome again. Now, watch out for the setter position. BYU's got some young players that can ball. For sure. But there will be a transition. You know what they are? They're volleyball players. All of them. I always love that. Man, he's a football player. Yes, he is. I'm aware. Yeah. But you know (laughs) what it means. Next. Last one. This one coming from a story coming out today that Alex Rodriguez lost over $500,000 in value out of his car after Sunday night baseball, after it was broken into after that game. Well, listen, you got to get rid of the diamond-encrusted golf clubs, first of all. Well, so the question for you guys, more or less than $500,000 worth of stuff in your car right now. More. More. Yeah. I've got the future BYU football schedules, right? How much it's is A Rod's car worth? That's what I want to know. It's pro- that's it was a rental, lo- wasn't it? The car itself is probably. Oh, was it a rental? It was a rental. But so you know, he got the high end rental. He got the Bentley rental. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, way more. No, way less. I I'm hoping I'm just to save face and show a little pride. I'm hoping I have at least a thousand dollars worth of stuff in my car. <laughs> <laughs> Well, when sacrifice is brought up in uh, staff meetings, I'm not sure that you'll, you'll go north of that number. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Coming up, Bradley and I has reminded Cougar fans that nine is coming, but where does he fit on my 10 and 10 best defensive players list? And where does Utah's Jalen Johnson, a quarterback, sit in Jerem's defensive ranking? How many Utah players are on the list? This is BYU Sports Nation. This segment of BYU Sports Nation, presented by... Delta Airlines. Keep climbing. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Tonight, after further review, is on the BYU TV app as Dave, Blaine, Brian, and David discuss the impact of some of BYU's top players and what they could do this season. Watch it tonight, 7 Eastern, 4 Pacific on the app. And then tomorrow on BYU TV at 11 a.m. Eastern, 8 Pacific. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation with our question of the day. Does BYU football need to continue to aggressively schedule at home for fans to go to games? At SV Utility on Twitter says they need to win. That fills stadiums. Is that fair? Not necessarily, because in many ways the program itself has elevated its game, but it's hard to appreciate it. The win total doesn't reflect that improvement. Yeah, it's tough. Uh, the strength of schedule is historically you don't look back and you don't grade it on a curve based on the schedule. Everyone just grades it on how many wins you had that season. So there have been some eight and nine win teams recently from BYU that I believe would have been ten win teams in the Mountain West, but we'll never actually know that. So here's the thing, and I just tweeted this out during the break. I think the schedule is too hard 
rhetoric for BYU football would quiet significantly if BYU hadn't recently, as in the last five seasons, lost to Northern Illinois, UMass, Utah State twice, and Nevada at home. Well, yes, because then you would have had a 10-win season in a couple of those. So is the schedule too hard, or are they just not taking care of business against teams that we are used to seeing BYU beat? Well, the point is to win, and if you don't win, then it was too hard apparently for you. But those teams are not Power 5 teams. Right, but you didn't win. That's the point. If you don't win, then you, it, it was too so hard. It was too hard. The schedule's for you to too win. hard by having Northern Illinois, UMass, Utah State, and Nevada on the schedule. Apparently, BYU didn't win those games. Hopefully, they win. Then who are we proposing gets put on the schedule? Ay ay ay. While you think about that, let's get to Jerem's ten and ten top defensive players BYU will face in 2019. Ten lists in ten weeks. It's Jerem ten and ten. Number 10, Jesse lemon defensive end, Liberty. The senior put up 55 tackles, including 10 sacks, 13 and a half tackles for loss, two forced fumbles last season for the FBS independent newcomers. lemon has made my 10 and 10 three different times. <laughs> I was going to say, he's been on there a few times, hasn't he? He's got one of the great names. It was names, and then uh, I don't remember the other one, but uh, yeah, he's got a great last name. Number nine, Avery Williams, cornerback, Boise State. Four picks, 17 passes defended, one fumble recovery, three forced fumbles on defense in two seasons. And on special teams, he has a kick return and two punt returns for a touchdown. He's very versatile. Well, I'm glad they have some versatility there because they're bringing a new quarterback and running back to Provo. Number eight, Bryce Thompson, cornerback, Tennessee. Freshman All-American had a team-high three picks, four pass breakups, 34 tackles, four TFLs. For Tennessee and the always tough SEC? No, here's the thing. I don't think Zach Wilson cares. <laughs> you say stay away from certain cornerbacks? I don't think he cares. To be aware would be good, though. I'm, I'm sure he's going to know who's good and who's not right. Number seven, Chiava Tazino, linebacker, San Diego State. First team all Mountain West after 127 tackles. That was top 20 nationally. Ooh. Eight and a half sacks, 14 and a half TFLs, 10 plus tackles in five different games, including a little bit of flexing. I would very much love for Brady Christensen, Tristan Hodge, and James Empey to team up and block that dude. Yeah, and someone's got to make a tackle, you know. If you don't go to that bounce or it's incomplete, someone gets a tackle. Number six, David Woodward, linebacker, Utah State. Tenth nationally in tackles, 134, five sacks, 12 and a half tackles for loss, two picks. He's all over the field. Third team All-American, bit of a surprise last year for Utah State. 20 tackles at Colorado State last season. Holy cow. See, I think he's a little low on this list. I think he's underrated as a defender. And there's another Utah State player on this list. Yeah, he's. No, he's I don't think he's a top five defensive player, clearly. Uh, number five, Christian Rector, defensive end, USC. More like Rector. The last two seasons, he has 12 sacks, 20 tackles for loss. Second team all Pac-12 last season. 10 tackles, two sacks against the Utes. All right, USC. I'm just glad BYU has him in Provo again. Like, I love the placement of this game. Can't say it enough. Number four, Tipa Naliai, defensive end, Utah State. TCU transfer had a great year in 2018. 10 sacks, 13 and a half tackles for loss. Two picks, one for a TD. You're looking at it right now on BYU oh. TV. This is Utah State. Pick six against BYU on BYU TV. We can only show this once. That's all we can handle. Actually, we already saw it last October. He had two forced fumbles as well. Don't that throw was the, it right to Tipa. That was on fourth down, and it was the worst throw of Tanner Mangum's career. Number three, Jalen Johnson, cornerback, Utah. Sporting News has him as one of the top cornerback prospects in the 2020 NFL draft. 41 tackles, four picks, 
one touchdown, four breakups. That touchdown was a 100-yard pick six against Stanford on the farm last year. Wow. Okay, so here's the thing. Utah has two good cornerbacks. Jalen Johnson, number three on this list. Uh, His buddy on the other side could very well have a case to be in the top ten as well. Like, they're really good. Number two, Curtis Weaver, outside linebacker, Boise State. He plays the hybrid stud position, 20 and a half career sacks. That's the second most among active players in college football. 28 career TFLs, two-time All-Mountain West Conference first team. He is really good. He is good. I'll take him more seriously when he has more career TFLs than David Nixon. David at 43 and a half. So let's see. He only needs uh, like 15-ish. Yep. <laughs> and the number one defensive player the Cougars will play this season is Bradley and I, Utah, defensive line. 6'3", 265. Sports Illustrated ranked him the 22nd best player in college football. Whoa. 16 and a half sacks, 26 TFLs in three seasons. Hit 52 quarterback pressures last season. That led the Pac-12. Part of a top five red zone and rush defense last season. So a guy like Lucky Fotu for Utah doesn't even make this list. Like yeah. BYU's taking on some like, serious talent defensively this year. Utah could have had two or three more on this list, probably. Yes. Yeah. Final they probably ten, could. Yeah. Final ten and ten next week, right? Yeah. Top right. ten offensive players, and then we're done. It's been uh, it's been almost ten weeks, I guess. Yeah. We're sixteen days away from a game. It's close. The ten and ten lists are ending, which means college football is very very close. Yeah, it's good. When ten and ten ends, we all rejoice, right? <laughs> Coming up, women's volleyball is predictably number one in the league again. And Daniel Schneeman, it's like a slim Schneeman doing things for his single A ball club. If you missed what he did in his last game, we're going to tell you next. This is BYU Sports Nation. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation. Shout out to today's guest, All-American BYU football tight end, Matt Bushman. Show's on demand via the podcast and the BYU TV and BYU radio apps. Let's whip it. It's time for the Cougar Whip Around. Football. Well, camp practice number 12 is today. Watch post-practice availability, uh, interviews and reaction around 8.15 Eastern, 5.15 Pacific. Also, pro football focus ranks BYU QB Zach Wilson as the 30th best quarterback in college football. Not bad. Volleyball. BYU women's volleyball, the preseason coaches picked to win the WCC. Four Cougars made the preseason All-West Coast Conference team. McKenna Asu, Kennedy Eschenberg, Mary Lake, and Heather Knighting. The ABCA preseason top 25 poll comes out in about two hours. Soccer. Women's team holds an open practice scrimmage tonight, 9 Eastern, 6 Pacific at Southfield. The season begins August 22nd at Alabama. Cougars in the minors. In single-A baseball, Daniel Schneeman, 3-for-4 with a double, set a new high and runs batted in with four and a Lake County captain's 13-8 win over the West Michigan Whitecaps. Schneeman now leads his team with an average of 304. And Jackson Clough went 1-for-3 at his uh, eighth stolen base of the season in a Hagerstown Suns 5-4 win over the Liquid Blue Claws, whatever that is. Today's rise and shout-outs. And I will preface it with this. According to the Princeton Review, and I quote, schools on the stone-cold sober schools list are those at which surveyed students' answer indicated a combination of high personal daily study hours outside of class, low usages of alcohol and drugs on campus, and low popularity on campus for frats and sororities, end quote. With that said, BYU for a 22nd straight year is number one on that list. Stone-cold sober. Here's another chocolate milk. milk. This to BYU. This Cheers. For you. Cheers to the Cougars of BYU for being stone cold sober. Mm-hmm. For a second, Control I thought you were gonna drink. It. For a second, I thought you were gonna drink that whole thing. I was, but it's too cold. <laughs> I'm gonna get a headache. 
Oh, uh, yes, Scott, the control room on Scott board. Hill, it's our a party! T- our technical director took his hand off the switcher, so it just stays on that shot until he changes it, right? He's like, nope, I'm just, you know what? We're Drink just up. right here. For it. Let's, let's drink to that. Cheers to 22 years of stone-cold sober at BYU. I would hope that uh, they started 22 years ago. So, if Like, who was the school before 23 this? years ago, what happened with BYU? Did the Princeton Review start this 23 years ago? So that was, ago? what, 97, 96? <laughs> BYU in 14 and 1? People got a little excited, maybe? I don't know. In 1996, <laughs> the New Jersey Institute of Technology was the... <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know. And NJIT competes with, or they did, with Utah Valley, right? For a long, they were in the same conference for a while. The Great West or something. <laughs> I was like, aren't you East? Wait a minute. Congratulations to BYU. Our question of the day. Yay! Championship! Does BYU football need to continue aggressively scheduling at home for fans to go to games? Yes, is the question. And the answer. Yeah. At Colonel underscore James 83 on Twitter. Sure, there needs to be a balance of compelling home games. But more importantly, BYU needs to win all, if not most, of those games. Winning not only solves a lot of problems, but also gives the program a lot of nice benefits. Everyone comes at me with the one side of this argument. Oh, I don't want to go to play a bunch of cupcakes. Everyone has cupcakes. Everyone has one or two. Even Alabama plays a cupcake, right? It's, it's how many good teams do you have on the schedule? Where are they? How many in a row? What level of Power 5 are there, right? There comes a point of diminishing returns with the BYU schedule. That's what I'm talking about. Where's that line? I think that line is lower than the average fan. Sure. And the unfortunate part is if BYU doesn't lose to Nevada and UMass and Utah State twice at home, then the whole rhetoric of this thing is much less significant because they have a 10-win season or two. BYU won the 84 national title playing like one or two teams that finished with a winning record. No one complained. No one said, oh, the schedule was too easy. <laughs> they just like the wins. Got to take care of the teams you should beat, that you're favored against, and therein lies a big problem for BYU. Our elite voice of the day presented by Sundance Mountain Resort. We already read it from at Sheep. Unfortunately, I think BYU does have to schedule tough games at home. Every year I see more fans say I'm not going to Wagner, UNOV, or the SEU game. I can understand, but it's still a football game. Years like 2019 bring more fans with high-profile games. Sorry to Dennis Pitta, ran out of time. For Jeremiah Spencer, shout-out to another tight end, Chris Smith. See you tonight. BYU TV Sports Facebook Live page, 815 Eastern for post-practice interviews. Go Cougs. And AFR.